It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. back to another episode of the sports complex here on the horn on today's show we'll get into some uh some more texas football talk and some interesting developments in the world of arizona football and how it's affecting texas football we'll get into that some more nfl games finished in the playoffs last night we'll cut recap those go back into the cowboys and what happened with the Cowboys and what is next for the Dallas Cowboys. Coaching carousel in the NFL. Patrick's Big Fat Poll today. More in NBA talk, college basketball talk, and a whole lot more, including your text messages, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line here on the horn. That is where we like to have you join in the conversation, bring up your hot takes, your questions, your comments, your concerns, whatever you got, send them in on the text line. We try to get to every single text on the show because you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. So we appreciate you guys always joining in with us and having a good time here on the Sports Complex. Uh, We are getting to where we are getting out. The sun came out today. It's still very cold but uh, the sun did come out. I think we got into 32, 33 now. So we're getting to where we make it out. It'll freeze again tonight. But then tomorrow we're supposed to get above freezing and hopefully thaw some things out. And, uh, you know, I had a cooler outside, just frozen solid right now. So, you know, hopefully we'll get and thaw back out before the weekend and another freeze or whatever else is going to be happening. But uh, I think we're getting through the, the worst of this one. So everybody who did uh, buy all the toilet paper, I hope. I hope your toilet paper is good and all the water. I hope hope you enjoy the water. Everybody who panic shopped, I, I, I look. I went to the store and bought some stuff too. I did too. I just said, but I got like three days worth of stuff that I'm just going to eat anyway. So I didn't go too crazy. I went to let me just go ahead and get this now because the last time this happened, I was extremely underprepared. Actually, two times ago, it was not Arborgeddon. It was Snowpocalypse or whatever that was. I I don't remember all the names anymore, but. Uh, but that one, I was completely unprepared and I was like, I will go to the store tomorrow. I'll just walk to the store, uh, and then realize I couldn't walk on the ice. So, uh, I get it. 
I get up preparing, but you know, uh, I appreciate. I'm happy that uh, we're getting to the point where we're going to get out of this, and uh, it was not too bad this time. It's still early in the year, though, so fingers crossed we'll keep it going. Uh, let's get into some sports talk, and let's get into a little uh, recap of Texas football. We'll, we'll hit this up. We'll get into the five o'clock hour. Uh, we'll talk some basketball. We'll talk a lot of NFL and uh, football in this first hour. Uh, and whatever you guys want to talk about on the text line, you guys drive the show. So uh, the reports are today, though. Arizona has hired Brent Brennan from San Jose State to take over as a new head coach. If Jed Fish took the job at Washington, we talked about yesterday about what that meant for Texas in that there that Texas that Johnny Nansen, the defensive uh, coordinator, the co-DC and linebackers coach for Texas that was hired could uh, be an option for the head coach. At Arizona, well, that did not seem to come to fruition, that he's not the head coach. However, there are reports today that Dwayne Aquina, who was uh, reportedly coming to Texas to take a role on uh, Sark's coaching staff to come back to Texas, the legendary defensive backs coach here at Texas, uh, has apparently been offered a job back at Arizona now from Brent Brennan and his crew in the Arizona school, and he is allegedly going to go back and take that job and according to the players still who had a hashtag of hired Nansen uh, for the head coach position are still working and they would like to see Johnny Nansen come back as defensive coordinator and whatever extra role that would mean and what extra money that would mean for him so that he is there is people that are actively trying to get him to come back and be the defensive coordinator that if there was, I don't know, a a rift between him and Jed Fish, if there was a rift between uh, or what his position was and how much power he had or any of that information. Who knows? Uh, he does. He's probably the only one. Uh, but the question is, can they get him to come back? And they may pony up some more money because a lot of their defensive players are very big on Johnny Nansen, and any of those could enter the portal. So we will see if they hire a different D.C. If they do keep him. Uh, Texas did have a recruit that did not show up because Texas not hired a de- uh, defensive line coach. So a lot of these things are starting to take effect of who you're able to find and who you're able to get. Alabama is expected to keep Freddie Roach, which takes another defensive line coach off the board for Texas, but that search is ongoing right now as well for Texas to find their next defensive line coach as Bo Davis took the job at LSU. But they could be in a search for a linebacker's coach again if Nansen goes back to Arizona, if he decides to stay, then that will mean that you know we could see uh, a, a different edge of maybe possibly a linebacker or a DB or somebody like that coming over uh, from Arizona as well uh, in that transfer portal, but that's all still up in the air. That's the biggest updates we've heard. We've not heard much more. I I don't know uh, if the money if they'd be able to give that amount of money to to Nanson to be the defensive coordinator if they save some uh, Brent Brennan didn't need enough or wh- whatever it was. Or if it was really a problem with Jed Fish and now they feel like he would rather come back and be the D.C. than a linebackers coach and co-D.C. at Texas. Uh, all those questions will have to wait a little bit longer because if you're trying to find information, most of the information that's out there still is that he was in the process for the head coach job. So, you know, this is a it's been a wild week and a half or so for Johnny Nansen that the guy goes from being the defensive coordinator on the Arizona car, on the Arizona Wildcats he then takes kind of a step backwards, but into a bigger program uh, to come to Texas to be the linebackers coach in co-DC with PK. And then 
he takes that, and now he gets a head coaching opportunity in an interview at Arizona. They do not hire him for the head coaching position, but he may go back to where he was before. It's all uh, a lot of speculation at this point to see where he goes. Hopefully for Texas, though, he stays at Texas, and they do not have more turbulence in that coaching staff. It is part of what happens when you are uh, a team like Sarks is and when you start to have success that there is more and more attrition and you know you're going to try and get the best guys but that means everybody else is trying to get them too it is what it is uh looking over at the nfl uh the steelers and the bills played the early game yesterday we're giving you updates on that it seemed like the bills were running away with it early the steelers did put up a fight uh it was never really in question but there were times you thought that possibly if the steelers could get a big stop or if they were able to move the ball a little bit better uh they would be able to do it Josh Allen did what Josh Allen does. He had 200 yards passing, 203 yards, and 74 yards on the ground. Uh, He was just able to move the ball well enough. And I think the real story of this game for the Bills, and I know a lot of people are coming out and saying the Bills really dominated and the Bills look really good. I don't think the Bills look great in this game. Uh, You know, I was watching it while doing a show and then watched the end of it after the show. I, I think they look good, but... You know, injuries have taken them down. You're talking about playing a Steelers team with Mason Rudolph as a starting quarterback with an offense that's been kind of, you know, anemic the entire year. You're talking about a defensive lineup without TJ Watt, and you're still not able to blow them out, blow them out. And I get it's, it was very cold. I get that, but that's going to be what's going to be again this weekend against Kansas City. Uh, you have all of that. But the real reality of why the Bills were able to handle this game, they didn't have any turnovers. One of the biggest problems that Josh Allen has had his entire career is that he gives away games, fumbles, interceptions, and he gives opportunities to the other team. And if you give the Steelers two more opportunities in this game, who knows how it ends up. The Steelers could easily have been much closer in this game if you say a field goal and and a touchdown out of a couple turnovers from the Bills that could lead you to the point where the the Steelers are in this game with no T.J. Watt, with a quarterback situation that's not been great all season long, or with Kenny Pickett early, and then going to, to Mason Rudolph, and the Steelers are going to have their own worry, worries now. Uh, fans are getting restless in uh, Pittsburgh because Mike Tomlin continues to make the playoffs, continues to have winning seasons, but continues to lose in the playoffs because they just don't have a good enough team, and they're getting that draft pick right in the middle, and it's hard to continue to build, and so they get guys like T.J. Watt, but then he's injury, and they haven't, you know, they drafted Kenny Pickett, and it doesn't seem like he's the guy, but maybe it's just a coaching hiring. Uh, you get guys like George Pickens who can clearly play really well, but I don't know if he's bought in, and we'll talk more about buy-in on this next team, uh, but... It seems that I don't know if I'm still all in on this Bills team, but we'll see what they go uh, next week playing against Kansas City in Buffalo will be a big matchup. That that Josh Allen versus uh, Patrick Mahomes. What's crazy is it's Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes, and the next year it's Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes, but it always seems to be Patrick Mahomes, and wonder if we'll ever get to that Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen because it's kind of a love triangle of feuds and and rivalries, but it's not quite the triangle because Burrow and Allen can't stay healthy and good at the same time, so we'll see what happens there. But the Bills uh, get the win. They move on. And no turnovers from Josh Allen. That's the best sign you're going to see as a Bills fan. Of everything else, they played pretty well, had some more injuries, but this is a Bills team that gets the win. Then the Eagles take on the Buccaneers, and the Eagles don't show up. Buccaneers win 32 
to nine. Baker Mayfield puts up 337 and three TDs. I'm going to play some sound from uh, Hook Him Up in a little bit, talking about Baker Mayfield and what that season is. We won't go too far into that. Uh, crazily in this game, no turnovers. Either team, uh, clean enough game that way, but the Eagles just cannot move the ball. Eagles, zero for nine on third down. They did not pick up a third down the entire game. They didn't pick up a fourth down. That's 11, 0 for 11 on third and fourth down. Those money downs, 0 for 11. And for Todd Bowles in that defense, that's 11 for 11 on money downs. So you can pack both those in there that this Todd Bowles defense is playing at a really high level. And a lot of times early in seasons, we see it, these defensive teams that need a little bit of time to get used to it. It takes a little bit of time and, and it seems that Todd Bowles has gotten that, and they're an actual defensive team now that's playing at a high level. If Baker continues to play at this pace, I don't know how far they can go in the playoffs, but I know they're going to be a lot more competitive than some people gave him a shot to be. But for this Eagles team, where do you go from here? Nick Sirianni goes from this hero in the Super Bowl and this great coach who's got everything going for him. They hire both his coordinators out. One goes to Arizona and the other goes to Indianapolis, and all of a sudden it looks like there's no magic left in there. But what I talked about earlier, what I just said earlier, the buy-in, man, what it looked like in this Philly team is they have some rats in the locker room, and they have some dissension in the locker room. And I don't know where it's coming from. I would tell you the guy that I would look at first, but that's only because of his past and I may be way off because I don't know the guy, but I would look at Matt Patricia first, and I'd say, why I, I don't know why he gets hired anywhere ever again. Personally, if it's me, I would need to understand how it, how, how it went down, and I have to talk to other people, not just him, to figure out how every time he's there, the buy-in of the team is almost at zero. When he was with the Lions, there was zero buy-in. When he was with the Patriots that second run, there was zero buy-in in Mac Jones in that offense. Zero, So much limited buy-in that they were – Mac Jones had to secretly call his offensive coordinator from college to try and get advice. That's how little buy-in there was there. And then the defense. When you watched them last night, was there any buy-in in that defense? Was there anything in that defense that made you think that they cared at all about playing football? Like, that they cared at all about being there? That they saw the writing on the wall? That they didn't care? And it wasn't even that they weren't good enough or didn't have enough talent. Because they clearly have talent. But none of them. None of them cared. The tackling wasn't there. Nothing was there for this Eagles team. And it goes to, clearly there's a problem. And if you look at the problem, the coach has to figure it out. And if you're the Eagles now, you have to go to Sirianni and you go, you have to make some hard decisions. I don't think we need to fire Sirianni. I don't think the Eagles need to fire Sirianni if you're the guy on top. But I think you do need to go to Sirianni and ask him, how, how many people are firing? What, who, who is the snake in the locker room? Who is the rat in the locker room that walked around and, and undermined, uh, undermined other people? Who was in that locker room who was going around and shutting down the buy-in? Who was in there that said it's not going to work? Who's the one who said, my ideas work better, you should go with mine? And then when they didn't work, you couldn't save anything because the buy-in was going. You split the locker room. You see Jason Kelsey saying he's going to walk away, which I I, I get when you're dealing with that much pain every day and trying to go out there and play, and you've put your, your life into this. And, you know, you get to the end of the season and all the, the politics behind and now maybe you have a second career in broadcasting and, and podcasting and whatever else you want to do. You're now a personality that people want. 
I mean, it's going to take a lot less pain and you'll spend some more time with his family and all of that. I get why he'd want to walk away from this. But that should tell you what the buy-in is in Philly right now. So if you're a Cowboys fan, that's the one positive you can look at. As bad as it is in, in Dallas right now, You're not. it doesn't seem as bad as in Philly where the buy-in is at zero. And they don't know what to do because you have to figure out the people that are there. And this is coming from a Texans fan who can tell you the Texans' buy-in was at zero. With Bill O'Brien, the Texans' buy-in was at zero. And with Jack Easterby, the Texans' buy-in was at zero. All the players didn't want to be there. They wanted to win, and they want to go out there and play well. I'm not saying these players don't want to play well for themselves. That doesn't do anything. And believe me, when we talk about Texas basketball in the 5 o'clock hour, I'll tell you the same thing. You have to have a goal. You have to have a a buy-in and a team. If you look at what Texas football did this season, one of the things unified about this team was they believed in the coaching staff, and they believed in what they were doing. And it made a huge difference. Guys were in the right spot. Guys were blocking by the end of the season. Everyone was doing what they needed to do to get the team to be where they needed to be. And the Eagles don't have that. The Cowboys are not quite the same story because we'll get back to the Cowboys now and talk a little bit about where they're at. And if you look at the Cowboys right now, they're in a tough position. Because as much as you can look at, and again, I'll say I would have fired Mike McCarthy because I don't think the guy's leader. I think he's a good offensive coordinator. The more I look at it, I think what he did to this offense, I think he built a good game plan. He called some good plays. He's a good offensive coordinator. And Dan Quinn's a good defensive coordinator. And you needed somebody, which what Jerry wants to be, and I know, I know Jerry wants to be it, but you needed somebody to be the guy and walk into a room and get mad and get these players pumped up and get these players to be accountable for each other and get these players to be accountable to, to, to themselves and be accountable to the team. And to get to do the things that you don't want to do in these big games. To get them mad. To get them to believe that the Packers are a threat and you have to take them seriously. And if you don't, they will take the bread out of your mouth. They will take the food out of your children's hands for themselves if you allow them to. And the Cowboys allowed them to. You have to have that coach that gets you fired up for every game of the year. And you'd have to know how much and everything else. And Mike McCarthy's not that guy. Dan Quinn's apparently not that guy. Because Dan Quinn couldn't get this defense up for big games. He couldn't get them to do what he needed to do. And part of that is Dan Quinn's scheme that seemed wrong for the whole time. But maybe if you have a head coach who walks in there and says, Hey, Dan, I've noticed in all of our big games, your defense is wrong. And we need to figure out a way around that. Let's grow as a people together, and we can make a game plan together. And let's grow. I think you're a smart enough guy to figure it out eventually. But we need to make a change, clearly, because this isn't working. And not every single time that something goes wrong, say, it will be better. And now you're at the crossroads at the end of the season. You're right on the edge of rebuild time. Right on the edge. When you look at the contracts that are coming up, Tyron Smith, Tony Pollard, Gilmore, Biotish, Armstrong, Curse, Lewis, Hankins, all free agents. And I know you drafted Mozzie Smith to replace Hankins, but then you made him lose weight, and he don't look like he could play like Hankins did. Couldn't stop the run there. All those are free agents this year, next year. So if you don't, if you try and bring some of those back, sign big deals for those guys. You've got extensions coming up too. What do you do about those next year? Next year. So now, if you're talking about just that's just this year, next year's free agents. Dak Prescott, Demarcus Lawrence, Brandon Cooks, Zach Martin, CeeDee Lamb, Leighton Vandresh. It's a lot of extendable names on that list. That's a lot of people that, if you're in the mood 
to, hey, this is not getting us there, and we really want to win a Super Bowl. Well, this is the time. This is the time to do it. This is the time to take your shot. This is your time to go in and try to create something special. This is your time to say, okay, we have a two-year window to rebuild, retool, reset our salary cap, reset our coaching, reset what we want to do, and figure out our way forward. And we may not be great. We may not be a 12-win team every year. But at, in three years, we may be in a place where we can go and go out for a Super Bowl. But you've got to make this decision now because if you don't make it now and you go another year of re, restructuring contracts to make it so you get Tyron Smith back for another year and he plays another eight games for you while he's injured and you get Tyler Biotish back for another, for another you know, three or four years and you, but you have to push and renegotiate and restructure other contracts. You re-sign Dak Prescott, give him an extension before the season so it's not a problem. You extend uh, uh, a Zach Martin, or you extend a CD Lamb, and now all that money's tied up in all of your stuff. Now you can't retool, you can't rebuild, you can't do anything. You're now stuck with that. So you're in a position where you can take a little lump on the chin and continue to grow off of that. But you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do it. It's going to be hard. And I don't know if, if Jerry Jones, who's too loyal, and I know people don't think he is, but he's too loyal to his guys, can be the guy to pull a Band-Aid. I don't know if he can be the guy to sit there and tell Dak Prescott, there is no contract extension. I'm, I'm drafting another quarterback. I'm keeping Trey Lance, and we're trying to find your replacement. So go show me that we don't need to get your replacement next year because I'm going to use you next year because contractually, it doesn't make sense for me to try and get rid of you. I'm not going to get the draft pick I want with you with one year left on your deal and the restructure money and everything else. I'm not going to get the, the deal I'd probably want for it. So I'm going to keep you for one more year. I know Cowboys fans don't want to hear that, but I'm going to keep Dak for another year. I'm getting rid of Mike McCarthy. I get it, but I, I just can't have him anymore. I need to have somebody come in that is going to come back and bring in other ideas, whether that is a Bill Belichick, whether that is a, a try and call up the Steelers and see if they want to give Mike Tom, if that's Mike Vrabel to bring some toughness to this team. Is that, is that Jim Harbaugh? If it's any of those guys, you can bring those guys in. But for the Cowboys, you have to make that decision. Are you going to move forward and try to build a championship team, or are you going to do what Jerry Jones likes to do and do what Jerry Jones always likes to do, which is to make the Cowboys a 12-win team, and who cares about the rest? I'll say I want to win a Super Bowl, but I'm going to drink the, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid, I'm going to smoke the hopium, and I'm going to hope for the best. Is that what it's going to be? All right, we're going to take a break. Let's, you know what, let's hit the big fat poll before we do that because I do want to bring this up for you because I think there's a lot that the Cowboys need to do. We'll get into that more as the season goes on or as the offseason goes on now for the Cowboys. But here's the big fat poll of the day. We're going to do the same one as yesterday. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. Big fat poll of the day today, 512-447-3776. Who should be the coach of the Cowboys next season? We asked it to you yesterday. We're going to ask you it again today. I think there's going to be more people on the text line today because people are going back to work today. 512-447-3776. Who should be the coach of the Cowboys next season? Is Dak, should he be gone? And if you say Dak's going to be gone, I'm fine with you saying Dak's going to be gone. You have to tell me who your quarterback is. And you can't make something crazy. But you can say Kirk Cousins. You can probably go get him. But I want to know a real answer. You're going to say you're going to draft a guy? In the late rounds, you're going to trade up for a pick. I don't think Jerry's going to do that. 
Let me know on the text line, 512-447-3776. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Sports Complex here on the Horn. Uh, playing some cold songs for you all week because it's cold out there. We'll kick ball. And if you got any suggestions for cold songs, you can throw those on the text line too. We always appreciate those. Uh, text lines open 512-447-3776. Big Fat Pull today is who should be the coach of the Cowboys next season. You can say McCarthy. You can say whoever else, but coach here. And I'm fine with you saying Dak should be gone. I like the question of should Dak be the quarterback next year, but I am putting a caveat. If you say Dak needs to go, I need to know who you have starting at quarterback. Because just saying someone needs to go is not planning. That's not that's not an option. You can't say, well, no, and then Cooper rushes a quarterback next year and you're a seven-win team at best, probably a six- or five-win team. Trey Lance, maybe that's the guy. I need to know who it is. Do you think, okay, and if you're going to tell me quarterback, it's got to be at least a, a round two grade so that you can get him in before everybody else does. So, but I'm, And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with any of those options. If you feel they're better, if that's what you feel is better than Dak, but just saying anyone's better than Dak is crazy when he was second in MVP voting in week 16. So that's that. you can't say, well, the guy who's second in MVP voting in week 16, but now... Uh, a trash can would be better. I get that you may, it may be time for a change of scenery. I'm not de- de- debating that because it, it really could be. But the question for the Cowboys is, who do you find better? And I think you give him one more year while you get yourselves ready and you don't be, be beholden to Dak. You be beholden to yourself and you go out and try and get another quarterback. You see if Trey Lance works and you have two quarterbacks in your system that are trying to replace Dak Prescott and you don't give him a new contract. If he walks, he walks. That's fine. But, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think you're getting the picks back you want for him uh, that you think you are, but that's just me. Or is Baker Mayfield the guy? Is Baker Mayfield? Do you want to go after and get Baker Mayfield and say he's better? Look at what he's doing right now for Tampa Bay. Hook him up with Ian Robbie. Talked about Baker this morning. Some pretty good stuff. Want to play that for you right now on a replay from Hook him up with Ian Robbie right now on the Sports Complex. All right, let's get to a couple of nuggets here about the uh, the game last night. I don't want to talk about Baker Mayfield because I think his story. Uh, this season has been just uh, nothing short of extraordinary. 
Uh, we were talking about the games and how the wild card weekend has been uh, un uh, underwhelming. Uh, it just haven't been competitive games. You only had one game that really was uh, competitive and not a blowout, um, and that was the uh, the Rams and the Lions. But if you look at the season, some, sometimes the season can foreshadow what's going to happen in the postseason. Uh, if you look at the largest margin of victory in games between teams with a win percentage of 60% or better, so we're looking at good teams playing, or good teams who have won 60% of their games or better, and, and this goes all the way back to 1978. So you're talking about 46 seasons worth of sample size. Uh, 2023 season had was the third largest margin of victory in games decided uh, between good teams, teams who won at least 60% of their games. You had 13.8 margin of victory between good teams. Um, that's only behind 1993 when it was 14 and 2014 when it was 15.4. So you go look, and 10 of those games were decided by 14-plus points, like more than two touchdowns. So half of the games between good teams this season were decided by more than two touchdowns, and the average margin of victory between uh, good teams facing off this season uh, was 13.4, sorry, 13.8 uh, points. So it, it did kind of foreshadow that this season when, for whatever reason, like as a football investigator, I got to try to football theorists to go try to figure out why. But when you've had good teams facing off teams that are winning a lot of games, uh, they end up being blowouts. I thought during the regular season the best explanation would be the quarterbacks. You've had so much quarterback turnover. You've had so many quarterback injuries, and maybe that's a reason why, because of the quarterbacks. But in the postseason, I don't know if that necessarily applies. So it could just be a coaching disparity. Coaching disparity plus quarterback turnover, I think, is why you got that during the regular season. And if you look at wire-to-wire -wire playoff wins, this is when basically a team has to lead the entire uh, game in the playoffs. In 2023 uh, already, you've had five wire-to-wire. <laughs> -wire. Uh, basically wire-to-wire -wire playoff wins. Uh, in 2022, you had six the entire postseason. We still got the divisional round left. We still got the championship round left and the Super Bowl. You had six the entire postseason of 2022 and 2021. You had eight in 2020. I believe that you'll surpass eight at this season potentially. And that's not a good thing for the NFL. The NFL wouldn't, wouldn't like that. They would like lead, you know, changes to go back and forth between both teams to show a competitive game. Um, but, yeah, for some reason, you have had the blowouts, as he mentioned. Um, so there's some stats kind of to back up the, the trend. It was a trend from the regular season. Not a shock that it's carrying over into the postseason. There you go. Um, all right, let's talk about Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield is an extraordinary story, and he should win Comeback Player of the Year. I don't know if he will. I'm not sure even when those awards are coming out. We haven't even got NFL honors. NFL honors. Is he going to do a show? Yeah, they do that uh... – I'm going to assume it's the it – used to be the Saturday before the Super Bowl, but I think they've changed it to where it's like the Thursday night before the Super Bowl, and they do it like the okay. Emmy Awards or yeah. whatever, and big red carpet thing, and they yeah. hand out all their awards. Yeah. I believe that's how they do it now. Okay. Well, NFL honors. All right. Well, so we got to wait a little while to, define, uh, to find out who's going to win all these awards. Uh, but it seems like Baker Mayfield, as he mentioned, he, he should be in the running or a front runner to be comeback player of the year. And I went back, first of all, a couple of uh, nice nuggets from his performance in this playoff win. And he's got two playoff wins. Cowboys fans, that should make you feel a certain kind of way because, yes, he's got the same number of playoff wins as Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts, by the way. <laughs> um, he got more than Deshaun Watson, so that's karma. But uh, Baker Mayfield had his, uh, has the first 300-yard, three-touchdown playoff game in Bucks passing history. 
Um, Brady had the top five playoff games in passing yards before tonight. Mayfield's 337 uh, yards that he had in that playoff game ranked third. And it basically it's him and Brady kind of littered all throughout that thing. <laughs> uh, the record books for the uh, the Bucks, And it, that's amazing that he's already, uh, based on this season, he's already in some of the kind of rarefied air Bucks quarterback. They don't have a really a lengthy uh, storied history of quarterbacks. But still, Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff, they join Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Brett Favre and Alex Smith as quarterbacks to start in division round for two franchises in the past 20 seasons. That's rare, right? Starting for different franchises. You don't see that in the playoffs. Um, so give Baker Mayfield some credit there. That's really tough for a young QB. Do that. And he's only been playing six seasons. Feels like Baker Mayfield's been in the league a long time. And it only feels like he's been in the league a long time is because he's been with uh, multiple teams already, and he's had so many head coaches. How about this stat for Baker Mayfield? I think it's a credit to him. He's had the most – uh, head coaches for any quarterback in NFL history in his first six seasons. No quarterback has had more head coaches than Baker Mayfield has had in his first six seasons. If you include interims, he's had eight of them in six seasons. Freddie Kitchens, Hugh Jackson, Kevin Stefanski, uh, Matt Rule, Sean McVay, Todd Bowles, Steve Wilkes, and Greg Williams. All, all head coaches that Baker Mayfield's had to deal with. Guys, that's a lot of turnover. That's a lot of messaging, changing up. There's a lot of different terminology, a lot of different uh, ways that they want to uh, cultivate the culture. Uh, that's just, I mean, I, ways to motivate. That is a lot for a young QB to deal with. And when you go look at the offensive coordinators, a lot of these guys are their, the head coaches are their own play callers, uh, like Stefanski, like a Sean McVay. But if you include the play callers and offensive coordinators, in that, too, that's nine play callers and offensive coordinators he's had in his first six seasons <laughs> in the NFL. I think that would honestly, I think that would hurt and affect anybody's development, growth, evolution as a QB. And so I'm not saying that, you know, we see not Baker Mayfield's going to turn to a franchise quarterback all of a sudden. But it is interesting that he's gone this uh, circuitous route. And we're seeing this more and more, right, in the NFL. Jared Goff. I mean, look at Jared Goff now with the Lions. Now they, he went from being a bridge quarterback for them, um, a bust at one point in his career, to being resuscitated to be a Super Bowl quarterback, and then thrown in a trash heap in a trade. And now he went from being a bridge quarterback to being a franchise quarterback. That's a, <laughs> that, is a, that, is, that is a road less traveled for a QB. Even look at what Geno Smith did with the Seattle Seahawks. You're seeing more of that now because I think you have more quarterback gurus and quarterback nurturers in the NFL who know how to resuscitate a quarterback skill set because it may not be the skill set that was the problem. That's why they were drafted high. It may have just been the psychology or the system or bad quarterback habits, different things. And they're able to, uh, you know, do a great job of developing these quarterbacks and building on their strengths and de-emphasizing uh, their weaknesses. But either way, uh, it's remarkable what he's done potentially this year, but considering the background of what he's had to deal with, eight different head coaches, the most for any quarterback uh, in NFL history, that's, that's a, it's a pretty uh, astounding, remarkable feat for him to be playing at the level he's playing at right now. So congrats to Baker Mayfield. By the way, uh, they were, Bucks were 100 to 1 odds to uh, win the Super Bowl before the season started. I gave this stat earlier. I gave you this fact earlier. Uh, Tampa Bay, along with Houston, by the way, uh, they are the two teams who had a 100-to-1 
odds or higher to win the Super Bowl before the season started, and they're now in the divisional round third time since 1978, since the wild card format uh, was implemented, that they've had 200-to-one or higher odds teams in the divisional round. So shout out to C.J. Stroud, of course, but also to Baker Mayfield, man. That's a, that's a hell of an r- accomplishment. Well, I'd also say, you know, Baker seems like he's been in the league longer because you just went through all the coaches, and that's great stats, circuitous, as you said. Well, his college career was circuitous, too. I mean, yeah, right. I mean for us, who uh, we do what we do, we've been talking about Baker Mayfield since he left Lake Travis and was a great player, and that's he true. walked on at Tech and got at odds in his family with Cliff Kingsbury. Um, then he had to walk on at Oklahoma where he had to fight the NCAA. Yep. To not sit out. The Baker and then, Mayfield rule. Yeah, the Baker Mayfield <laughs> rule. And then he went to, you know, went on to have a great career at Oklahoma. And but even that was, was star-crossed and controversial. Remember planting the flag in Columbus. Uh, grabbing the crotch. The arrest in Arkansas. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, Baker Mayfield's only been in the NFL for six years, but he's been in our public conscience for the last 12? 11 or yeah, 12. That was like 11 or 12. Yeah, going back to late Travis. Yeah, good, maybe you're right. That's what it is. Good point, E. Yeah, I mean, it's good just point. Yeah, it's only 60, but yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been a, I don't want to say a rock star, but he's been a huge topic of ours. He was uh, a rock star. It's fair was. to say he was a rock star. I think he was. I mean, he went to the Heisman, Heisman finalist, what, like three different times or something yeah. like that. Uh, there's a rule, what? there's a rule nicknamed the Baker Mayfield rule. <laughs> Remember, and he got to Cleveland and he started go, going at it with like Colin Cowherd and like members of the media. Yeah, he was a rock star for a while. And you know what? He had a precipitous fall from grace. And now he's reinventing himself. Yeah, that, that's a lot of props, man. And I think that's, I mean, you mentioned earlier that, uh, uh, um, you know, he should be the, the comeback player of the year. And that's my opinion. But I think my opinion is skewed because, you know, we've covered Baker for so long yeah. and, and he's come back. Uh, and I want to hear, so hear, hear, hear something. I, I sent you, I, we're going to play this. But by the way, the NFL honors, I have the date. If you want to watch when they're going to hand out all okay. the NFL awards, uh, it is in Vegas. No, ahead of the Super Bowl, of course, it Resorts is. World Theater in Las Vegas. It's going to be February the eighth at nine at eight p.m. Eastern. The thirteenth annual NFL Honors, <laughs> so the Thursday night before the Super Bowl wow. in Vegas. But listen to this. So again, for folks listening on this on this Tuesday morning, coming off of the long weekend, listen to Baker Mayfield. He's he, look. He's always been bra- abrasive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just kind of ahead of him. You just He's one of those guys, you either you love him or you hate him, right? He's a polarizing guy. And a lot of Longhorn fans hated him because he went to Oklahoma. And then he was so good at Oklahoma, but he would kind of stick it in your face a little bit. Listen to him last night. This is with Lisa Salters after they just won a playoff game. Yeah. I think he should be comeback player of the year. Listen to how calm he sounds. Listen to some of the – we don't have to play the Herald thing, Ty, but listen to just how – he just sounds like a different guy. Listen to Baker Mayfield. who's had eight coaches in six seasons, as you just documented. It's been three years since your last playoff win. Just what what is the weight been like? Um, we've fought so hard to get to this point, to get a chance to be in the playoffs, and I'm so proud of this team tonight. The way we came out and started fast. Um, I'm just I'm so proud. And so we want to give ourselves a chance, and now we, we did just that. We can play better than we did tonight, but it's on to the next one, so we're on to Detroit. You said that this is the most fun and most comfortable you've been in such a long time. Just what felt good tonight with this offense? Just the communication throughout the week. Everybody was on the same page, knew what we were going to do offensively, schematically, and uh, came out and attacked. Uh, obviously got to make a few more plays overall on offense, but uh, we made more than enough to win tonight. And it wasn't just Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It was Trey Palmer, David Moore, yeah. KDOT. Just what does that say about this group? It's huge for us, to, for our younger guys to step up like that, that, you know, a lot of teams are going to try and double cover Mike and Chris. And so for those guys to step up and make huge plays for us tonight is big time. So 
looking to capitalize that and, and learn to grow from it. And as you watched All right, your there defense you go. shut uh, down. I agree with you. That's maturity there. Yeah, I, that I was, wasn't I, there when he first got to the league. Yeah, yeah, I watched that last night. I watched it in real time. Thank you, Ty, for having that. I was like, Baker's grown up. Mm-hmm. He's fun because you know, many times did we watch Baker, and he was it was tough for us here in Austin because he's from Austin, went to Oklahoma. But I always had a, had a I knew people that knew Baker real well, and, and they spoke well of him. It's like you want to root for him, but then he does things. You're like, come on, Baker. Uh, come on, man. Come on. Uh, grow up. Grow up. Just grow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and he, he's all grown up now. Yeah, he's also expecting his first child. I bet that has something to do with yeah. him and his wife. So that, that always also changes your mindset, as you for know. For sure, 100%. Um, yeah, but I agree with you. And it's, you know, good for him. Good for Baker. Uh, and I know still a lot of people out there will always hate Baker Mayfield because he's a Sooner. Yeah. And all the stuff. But, man, I'm happy for him. It seems like he's grown up. And you know what? Look, Tampa Bay – is probably going to sign him to a contract. It might be one of those Jared Goff, Geno Smith bridge contracts. Yeah. But they're not letting that guy get away because no. he's played too well. Yep. And they he don't want you a, a playoff game. Yeah. You want a playoff game. Yeah, but now he's not <laughs> going to. hard to do. Gonna, you know, but guess what? Dak Prescott's about to get extended and be maybe the highest paid quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. And what's he doing? Nothing. <laughs> We're coming up small again. Yeah, that's a, yeah nothing really. Uh, so I'm with you. I, I think Good they will sign him. They signed him to a deal. And they, I, I've always been a fan of Baker. People know that. Uh, they give me, you know, grief for it. But he's he, he, my, my favorite sooner, and I know that's weird to say. It's like saying you've got a favorite serial killer. But uh, yeah, he is my favorite sooner, I think. He's my favorite sooner to watch. I'll say that. Yeah, and he's uh, – well, Jalen Hurts would be in that conversation too. But uh, he didn't have a good – But he wasn't, there, he wasn't there for long. Like, Baker Mayfield was there for – I think he was three in like years, three, three, years, four three years. Heisman yeah. finalists. Yeah. Like – Come yeah. on, man. He's no. there forever. So good for him. Uh, good for Baker. And he's played really well. He's he played has really, played really well. well. Yeah. Uh, so props to him for, for finding the maturity, growing up, and uh, he's going to get himself another contract. And you know, at least for now, he's be the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving forward, not just a, like a stopgap. He's going to actually be their quarterback. But think about that division. I mean, whoever's got a quarterback in that division is going to win it. Yeah, well, pretty we'll, much. We'll, we'll give you some <laughs> bullish or BS on that coming up. Here it is. Less Baker Mayfield talk, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, well he just won a playoff game last night. What you, yeah, what well, you well, no, I, I think it's he's playing along with oh, us. Oh yeah, but, like, come but on. Yes, this is uh, guys. What do you think about the uh, Super Bowl permanently being in Vegas? Don't like it. I like the Super Bowl moving around, Rod. Yeah, it's good for the NFL. Uh, but I have argued bullish on the NFL draft permanently being in Vegas. That's what I believe. They want to move that around too. For them, basically, yeah. that that turns into almost a a festival of sorts, a football festival of sorts. I mean, they're getting half a million people in the streets in Nashville for that thing. They're no, getting know. you know a quarter of a million people. They're getting numbers that will rival you know ACL fest no, <laughs> and some a, of the big music festivals around the country. So why would you just have it in Vegas when you basically can take it on tour around the country? Because because I can go to Vegas. And I don't yeah, want to go to, to, go to anyway. Kansas City. You're going to Vegas anyway for the, for the, for the Raiders. Well, I, 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 you're going to go to Vegas I for was, the Raiders, and they're going to have the draft there again. Just, you'll, go, you'll go for other reasons and stuff like that. But I'm I just really having like, been there when they had it there, that would be, it was perfect. Permanently, people. I don't know. Permanently, I don't like it. I have it there again, but not permanently. They should move everything around. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm for that being permanent. I like them moving the combine around. That's kind of cool. Uh, and then moving the Super Bowl around, but that's just personal opinion. Uh, all right, uh, all right. So Baker Mayfield, all the way full circle, and uh, he will lead the Buccaneers into Detroit this weekend. As you just heard with Lisa Salters, they'll play the Lions. That will be the first game on Sunday, the middle of the afternoon game on Sunday. Rod, what a game that'll be! Baker Mayfield back. Jared Goff, another former first round pick. Of course, he's gone through the car wash too. Yeah. Of. Uh, of uh, you know, rebuilt, reinvention. Number one overall picks, though. Yeah, both of them, number one overall picks. And um, I, I'll say this for Baker to wrap that up. I do think it was, uh, you know, too much too quick for him, right? Because Baker's always been the chip on the shoulder, got to prove it guy. 
because uh, he was a walk-on twice, right? And then he still achieved and went to you know, won a Heisman Trophy. And he, then he was the first pick, which is kind of getting over when people said he was too small. Uh, and he ends up as the number one pick. And I just think he was out to prove something to some for folks. And he, he was always in the headlines, too many commercials, too much hype, too much, you know, the argument with the, the – uh, you know, the situation with Odell Beckham Jr. when he was in Cleveland was just a mess. Uh, so it's like, you know, he's finally grown up and just he's just playing football. And we always, if you ever watch Baker Mayfield just play football, he's a good football player. He's a good football player. But so all the other stuff. Number one overall. Yeah, First all, walk on to ever be drafted number one overall. Now, now it's, you know, get rid of all the other stuff and just play ball. Yeah. Just play football. That's what it feels like Baker's doing. Well, I think he, he, he was a guy that used, you know, a lot of the, the doubt and he used a lot of the criticism as motivational currency, and he was brilliant at turning, you know, the, the, the negative narrative against him or the circumstance against him into that motivational currency, the chip on the shoulders you talked about. But he would spend it on the football field, and then you would see it materialize on the football field because he would make these spectacular plays that turned him into you know, a Heisman finalist. But in the, when he got to the NFL, he mistakenly started spending the motivational currency with the media yeah. and, on, and with his own teammates. And, that's, and, and usually, like I said, that friction, that, uh, that angst that he, you know, he used as, you know, as fuel, it was something that he used on the field against opponents. And then he started to use it against the media. He started to use it against his own teammates. And that's when it became toxic. And that's when the world started to close in on him. And then it even affected his play because he couldn't figure out psychologically, well, why does the media hate me and my teammates not follow me? When I was in college, my teammates, they would, they would, they would go to war for me. <laughs> they weren't, you know, they would, they would fight, they would fight, you know, claw tooth and nail for me. And the media loved me because I was a media darling. But I think he realized, like, oh, it's because they, I wasn't against him. I wasn't opposed to the media, and I wasn't. Remember, he, he said that comment about I forget what running back it was who was in a contract dispute with the Cleveland Browns. And he actually made a comment about the contract dispute. You don't talk about another man's money. Yeah, and it was you like, do Baker, that. you don't do that, man. You say, hey, man, we'd love to have him back. Hey, right now we're working That's with the business. guy for guy, whatever it is, because you're going to be in that situation too. So he started to get at odds with his own teammates and with the, his own coaching. Oh, yeah, they want Remember, him out of he's, Cleveland. He's making, he's making shots at his own coaching staff. So he, went, he got into it with his coaching staff, with his own teammates, and with the media. So he started to wonder, why is nobody on my side? Well, Baker, you're getting into it with everybody. <laughs> and in college, all those people were on your side, your teammates, the media, the fans. And I think ultimately he learned that lesson, but that's just maturity. And now he realizes, like, you know, it's easier to make enemies than it is to make friends. Well, and to, so. your, <laughs> and to your point, Rod, he's only six years in, and he's still got a lot of football in him. A lot of football. So, you know, quarterback's playing a 40. Because <laughs> a lot of guys don't come back from that. They don't grow up. Uh, they don't figure it out. Uh, so good for Baker. That does, does look like he does. That'll be a fun game. Uh, yeah, is Baker even 30? Is he even 30? Mm-hmm. Baker's 28, by the way. Baker's 28. Good stuff there for me and Robbie. From Hook'em Up this morning, weekday 6 to 11 right here on The Horror. Right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get to the text line. 512-447-3776 is the text line. We're asking you, who should be the coach of the Cowboys next season? And if Dak, you want Dak gone, who can replace him? And it's got to be legitimate. It's got to be somebody you can get. Who can you go get to replace Dak? Who's the person you want to get? If you say Dak's gone, I need to hear a replacement. We'll get to that when we come back here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn.
Back on Sports Complex here on the Horn. Getting the text line. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. We're asking you who should be the coach of the Cowboys next season. If you want to get rid of Dak, who do you want to get? And uh, we see some. I'll get to some of these. I like hire Mike Rabel, and it's time for Dak to go. I like that, but I need you to tell me who you want to replace Dak, and it's got to be realistic. I need to get that one. Uh Daydrinker77 says, bring me Justin Herbert and Bill Belichick. We got the money. One of those is real realistic. Bill Belichick is realistic. That's a possible thing. I will tell you, if you think you're getting uh, Justin Herbert, you must have been day drinking. I appreciate you texting in and listening, but you must have been day drinking. Just remember that when Deshaun Watson demanded a trade and sat out a season for the, the Texans, he it still took three first-round picks a third, a fourth, and a sixth, he had to get a fully guaranteed contract, and that's all while he was going to be suspended for probably a year for multiple allegations of indecent actions and conduct detrimental to the league and all of that. And he still was three first, a third, a fourth, and a sixth. Justin Herbert's probably seven firsts, something like that. It is an insane thing. That he would, how much he would take to get. So that's all I'm saying. Is Justin Herbert may the price may be too big? Uh, he just signed that big contract extension, so he ain't going to be a free agent. And uh, so somebody else he may have to go and get. Uh, we we ran up against it on the clock there, uh, but I'm going to come back and get some more text messages, get some basketball talk as well. Texas out of the top 25. We'll talk a little bit about Texas men's basketball, maybe a little NBA talk too if we got some time. But more of your text messages: five one two four four seven three seven seven six is the text line. We'll come back and get some more of those texts right here on the Sports Complex, the Horn one zero one nine AM twelve sixty, the Horn app, and HornFM.com.